Today on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, the Ontario Reigns' Bokui Mama speaks out about Monday's incident, which led to Brandon Manning's suspension. Plus, we take a look at Kings players of the past and find out what they're up to now. All that and more on today's episode of Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's Thursday, January 23rd, and you are listening to Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Sarah, and I am your host as we wind our way through the Kings season and navigate this bye week and figure out what we want to talk about, what we can hang out together and learn about as we wait for the Kings to come back and actually start playing hockey again. So we've talked about the Ontario Reign this week, which we're going to talk about a little bit more today as well. Uh, As we discussed yesterday, there was an incident in the game on Monday involving the rain and the Bakersfield Condors, where Brandon Manning from Bakersfield was issued a five-game suspension as a result of his actions in that game, where he directed a racial slur towards rain player Boko Imama, and in his apology tour said that he had spoken with Imama after the game and that they talked about it and that Imama said he was forgiven and they all moved on and that Manning says that he learned from the experience experience. And again, like I said yesterday, I don't know why in the year 2020, we still have to be having these conversations about learning that racial slurs are bad. But here we are, it's still a thing that's happening. Uh, And yesterday, we talked about the fact that the one voice we hadn't heard from yet in all of these statements and commentary and whatever was Boko Imamas. And yesterday, he did issue a statement through the rain uh, addressing the issue. He says in his statement, I've taken some time to reflect on what transpired on the ice against Bakersfield Monday night. What happened is unfortunate for everyone. No matter how intense or heated a game gets, there is no room for this in our game and no excuse. I am very proud to be an African-Canadian hockey player and to stand for all other players that are in the same situation as me. I would like to thank the Los Angeles Kings and Ontario Reign, Edmonton Oilers, and Bakersfield Condors for their professionalism in helping me handle the situation. Last but not least, I cannot thank my family and friends enough for their continued love and support. At this time, I will not make any further statements or comments, and I would very much appreciate it if those wishes were respected. I don't think that he had to come out and say anything. I think that if he wanted this conversation to be done and he wanted to not be part of it, like he didn't have to be, but good to at least see him release his own statement. And, you know, ultimately, he was the guy who was wronged. He was the guy who was treated poorly, who had something terrible said to him. He would have been well within his rights to to be like, no, like, I'm not cool with this and I'm not going to apologize and whatever. I think the benefit of this having happened in the AHL is that there aren't going to be people in his face every day for the next month wanting to talk about this. I've covered a couple Ontario Rain games and the way it kind of works there is you say who you want to talk to after a game. Maybe you get them, maybe you don't. Um, If you want to get in depth with someone, you probably have to talk to them at practice and that wish may not always be granted either. Uh, So it is much different from the NHL where you have kind of open access to guys every day after practice and every day at games and you would get the phenomenon of something happens and suddenly every black player in the league is asked to speak for all other black men 
And fortunately for Imama, this is it. This is the end of the road. He's never going to have to talk about this again, really, because it's the AHL and there isn't the same sort of media coverage uh, and expectations of media coverage as there are in the NHL. So, you know, there's not even kind of coordinated national coverage of the AHL. It's not like the Athletic is sending people to AHL games all over the country. Um, AHL coverage is a patchwork of like, local newspapers and people who cover it because of love of the game. And no one is sitting down being like, ah, yes, this bad thing happened. Let me go talk to player XYZ in my AHL room to get his feelings on it. Unless Bakersfield wants to make something else out of it or, you know, prop up Manning as an example once his suspension is done for either good or bad, this is kind of the end of it. And it's good that everyone moves on and everyone gets back to their lives and we don't spend forever dissecting, you know, who said what and who did what and, you know, the kind of like toxic discussions that we end up seeing a lot of in the NHL when this kind of happens. But at the same time, this shouldn't be the end of the conversation uh, for the sport as a whole. Like I've said, the fact that we are still at this point having to have the discussion that says all because you're mad doesn't mean you can say something awful to another human being or even just in general. <laughs> like you can't just shout a racial slur to, at, at the air to nobody and have that be okay either. Like, we shouldn't have to be having these discussions that, like, find another word to say when you're mad. Like, it's not that hard. I know lots of people who get mad all of the time who don't just utter racial slurs. And so the fact that we're still having this conversation is bonkers. And yet here we are. And We've had yet another high profile incident of this happening, of someone saying this was the heat of the moment and they said a bad thing and they're sorry and they've learned from it. That's great. And maybe Brendan Manning won't ever say this word again. But how do you convey that message to young players? How do you convey that message? It starts when they're kids. How do you convey that message in an environment where you see parents being racist towards kids? How you see all the time teams of First Nation kids get treated horribly at tournaments because of parents of opposing teams who are racist towards them. And these are like little kids we're talking about. So it's good that this conversation has started again, even though we just had it with all the Bill Peters stuff. But we're going to have to keep having this conversation until someday the sport and society figures out you can't just say things like that. From the Reigns perspective, from the AHL's perspective, this is done, it's over with, and everyone is going to move on with their lives. There was one more minor fallout from that game. It was announced on Wednesday that Martin Furk was also suspended as a consequence of a cross-check that he delivered in that game. He was suspended for one game, so he will miss Friday's game at Stockton. Uh, this shouldn't affect anything with his participation in the All-Star game or anything, but a little odd that that this also came out. It is a game where many other suspensions and penalties and everything could have been doled out, but were not. And Ferk kind of getting this one is a little weird. Uh, the play that he was involved in didn't seem that egregious, but you know, whatever, you win some, you lose some. So Martin Ferk suspended for one game because of an incident in that game on Monday as well. Coming up next on the show, we're going to do a little bit of a dive into the past and look at some Kings players of years past and see where they're at now. Coming up next on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
With this week being the bye week and the Kings not exactly doing much other than enjoying their vacations, I thought that we could take a little chance to look back at Kings players of the past and see where they're at today. And so I figured where else to start than the 2012 Cup year. So today we're going to take our first look of two episodes of Kings players from 2012, where they're at now. We're going to start today with the forwards, and then tomorrow we'll take a look at the goalies and the defense. In the 2011-2012 season, there were 29 different players who suited up for the Kings during that regular season. Some of them are going to be familiar names to you guys. Some of them uh, may be players you don't actually remember, but we're going to go through the whole list of them and check them out. So today we're going to talk about the forwards. We're going to go in alphabetical order because that's easiest. And we're going to start with Colin Frazier. He played three more seasons in North America after winning that Stanley Cup in 2012. Two seasons with the Kings, and then his final season was in 2014-15 with the St. Louis Blues organization. He played one game that year in the NHL, but spent the rest of the season in the AHL. Went to Germany in 2015, played for the Nuremberg Ice Tigers. Uh, He didn't stay there for very long. He retired in November 2015 after just a handful of games with them. Spent a little bit of time away from hockey before before realizing that he needed to come back. And he reached out to some contacts that he had in the Blackhawks organization and was able to join their group as a scout over in Western Canada. So he has continued to work for the Blackhawks through the years. Um, I believe he's shown up at Kings games every so often. I think they talked to him on TV maybe last season about his work with the Blackhawks. But he's one of the first guys from that class of players from the 2012 Cup to move into hockey uh, front office kind of operations. Simon Gagné played for the Kings in that year. He was traded to Philadelphia the next season and then had sort of a in and out kind of appearance uh, throughout hockey. He skipped a season uh, and then came back and signed a PTO with the Bruins in 2014, eventually signed a contract with them, played 23 games, and then left the team because of the death of his father, had his contract ended. And then in September 2015, he announced that he was retiring from hockey. The Philadelphia Flyers, who he spent most of his career with, honored him on his retirement. I think that was actually at a Kings game, maybe, when they chose to honor his retirement. He spent a season coaching a a youth team in Philadelphia, but since then has mostly kind of been doing more media stuff. He shows up every so often on the radio in uh, Quebec. He has done regular kind of analyst spots about hockey. So maybe the first guy of that class of players to make the jump over into media. Getting into some guys that I don't know that everyone has heard of. We've got Trent Hunter. He actually spent his career with the Islanders organization, uh, signed a PTO with the Kings that season, and then got a regular contract. He appeared in only 38 games for the Kings before being sent down to the Manchester Monarchs, who were the AHL team at that time. That was Hunter's last season in the NHL. He didn't get on the cup or anything. He didn't play in the playoffs. After that, he spent a season playing in a senior league in Western Canada, which I feel like must be just the most like buck wild thing that Canada has all these senior leagues for guys who are, you know, basically done playing professionally, but, you know, are still way better than your average beer league kind of guys. So not much out there about what Trent Hunter is up to these days, but not doing something in hockey as far as the Googles will tell me. We've got Dwight King next up and fun fact, 
Dwight King is still playing. He finished his career in the NHL with the Canadians after the Kings traded him there in the middle of the season. King spent one season in the KHL and then for the past two years has been in Austria with the Graz 99ers. Last season, Dwight King scored 42 points in 53 games. I think that's really good. This season... 14 points in 26 games. He's a guy that like, I feel like a lot of Kings fans have always had a soft spot for. He's always kind of like scored at really unexpected, surprising moments. And so really great to see that he is still active and just doing his thing over in Europe. Andrei Lokchianov is a guy who never really quite caught on in the NHL. And, you know, he's a guy that like, maybe if he were breaking in today, maybe things would be different and maybe there'd be more support or more, you know, whatever, more patience for him to develop his game and reach his potential in the NHL. But his career in the United States bounced back and forth between the NHL and AHL a lot. The Kings traded him in 2013 to the Devils. He never really caught on there either. And then after that, he went to the KHL and is currently on his sixth season there. He did try to make kind of a brief return to the NHL. In 2017, the Kings invited him to training camp on a PTO. Um, He played, you know, some preseason games and stuff, but ultimately did not win a contract and went back to Russia instead. Ethan Moreau, again, another guy who you may be wondering who. He played one season with the Kings, only 28 games. He is actually a former Oilers captain. He had quite a long career, uh, spent several seasons as captain of the Oilers, 2007 to 2010, uh, before joining the Kings organization. His season with the Kings was his last in the NHL. After he finished there, he immediately went into front office work where he joined the Montreal Canadiens as a pro scout, where he spent three seasons. After that, he sort of bounced around a little bit. He spent one season as as an assistant coach for Niagara University in the NCAA. He spent one season as a head coach for a team in the Greater Ontario Junior Hockey League and currently is the director of hockey operations for the Niagara Whalers, which is a junior A team. So another guy who has made the jump to front office hockey ops kind of work. Jordan Nolan is next up. He's technically sort of maybe kind of not really, but we'll count it anyway, a three-time Stanley Cup champ because he is now part of the Blues organization and got called up last season as a black ace during their playoff run. Uh, He didn't get into any games for the Blues then, but certainly did get to get his hands on the cup again and has played an important role for the Blues Uh, down on their AHL team to be sort of a mentor veteran leader to their young players. He is currently the captain of the San Antonio Rampage. He's got 14 points and 41 games and is still really making himself known as a physical presence on the ice. Um, He has been suspended more than a handful of times in his time in the AHL and has never been afraid, much like in the the NHL, uh, has never been afraid to mix it up and drop the gloves or defend himself or defend a teammate over hit. So Jordan Nolan's still playing the exact same game that he played in the NHL. Coming up next, we'll continue our look at Kings players of the past and see what they're all up to today on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So today we've been taking a look at Kings players who were part of the 2012 Cup winning season. We're looking at forwards today, checking out what they're up to, where they ended their careers, 
or for many of them, where they're still playing today. So we're going to continue on that list right now. Scott Parse is another forward who played for the Kings in that season. Injury troubles really marred his time with the Kings. Two of his the seasons that he played with the Kings were just almost completely lost to injuries. He did miss most of that 11-12 season, uh, was limited to only nine games. The year before, he only played five because of hip surgery. So probably no surprise that he left the Kings after that, spent the next season with the Albany Devils, where he played 15 games, and then that was it in terms of hockey for him. Uh, Couldn't really turn up much about him, so not sure what he's up to, but it doesn't appear to be hockey-related, whatever it is, and Scott Parse isn't exactly an uncommon name, so couldn't really find any more current information on what he is doing. Dustin Penner, of course, was on that team. He exists. He starts fights on Twitter. He says dumb stuff, like picks fights with people about things like whatever I'm not I didn't even want to research what Dustin Penner is doing that's what I feel about him Mike Richards we all know what Mike Richards is doing and that's currently like living the good life okay maybe not all of you are as like up on your current Mike Richards trivia as I am but he is I don't think he would ever use the word retired to refer to himself but he's not playing anymore uh, he has occasionally shown up in like old timers tournaments in Kenora uh, playing with like old retired Maple Leafs players and stuff but his like primary outlet other than like fishing and hunting is he built this like huge like horse equestrian stable thing for his fiance and now they're involved in like horse business and she like trains horses and stuff. I don't really know a lot about horses, but I do know that like from their Instagrams, they seem very happy and like very into horses. And she posts lots of pictures of him like holding barn cats in in their like equestrian thing. And that's that's all I need to know is that he looks happy and is enjoying life where like no one talks to him about anything probably. So Mike Richards living it up uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, probably just as he always wanted to do. Brad Richardson somehow still playing. He is in his fifth season with the Arizona Coyotes. He's going to go to the playoffs this year. Like Brad Richardson is going to be on my list of like former Kings players to watch once the postseason rolls around. Last season, he had a he had a career high of 19 goals. He's not going to hit that this season, but good to see that he at least is still up and at him and playing some pretty good hockey on a team that is poised to make a playoff run. Jared Stoll, we all know what he is up to. If you have watched any Kings broadcast, you have seen him on there. Uh, after he concluded his playing career, he has stepped into sort of the double duty of both broadcaster, where he appears on you know the pregame, postgame, intermission segments, and to be honest, like he has gotten quite a bit better at it over the years uh, that he has been doing it. He is actually like entertaining and in- insightful, and isn't afraid to say things about guys that he played with, and is the kind of player that I like to hear things from on TV because he has played very recently. And I think knows the game and knows the players and the characters in the game a lot better than, uh, not to name names, but some of these TV guys who haven't played since like before I was born. So uh, Jarrett Stoll actually rounding himself out into a pretty, pretty good TV guy, honestly. He also works a lot in player development with the Kings. Uh, does a lot of work with their younger players on the rain and their prospects and kind of helping develop them, especially the young centermen. Uh, so if he can teach them all to take face-offs, like that's all I care about. Uh, so Jarrett Stoll continuing his work with the Kings, both 
in front of the camera and elsewhere. Kevin Westgarth uh, spent some time with the Hurricanes and the Flames and then spent one season over in Ireland playing in Belfast. He actually currently works for the NHL and I feel I feel like this is really fascinating. He's another guy that you maybe don't expect it, but you know, four-year career at Princeton, everyone kind of regards him as, you know, a pretty educated, smart guy, uh, not just your typical enforcer sort of person. And so he works with the NHL doing business development and international affairs. And his main sort of focus is working with kind of charitable and humanitarian initiatives, uh, and also is working a lot on the initiatives to grow the game overseas, particularly in China, where of course, everyone is looking towards the upcoming Olympics, wondering what the NHL is going to be doing. The NHL has invested a lot of time and money in China. And so Westgarth has been kind of involved in all of that. So good for him for transitioning very gracefully out of the enforcer role and into like guy wearing suit talking about business stuff kind of role. And finally, on our list of forwards who were part of that 2012 cup year, Justin Williams. We all know what Justin Williams is up to. Uh, he is back with the Hurricanes, scoring goals, being that team's dad, and hoping for one last shot at a Stanley Cup. Which brings me to one other announcement before we wrap things up today. Hopefully you know about this, but if not, I'll tell you now. As part of the Locked On Podcast Network, we also have kind of like national flagship shows for each of the leagues, and there is a Locked On NHL show. Starting next week on Monday, I will be taking over Monday editions of the Locked On NHL podcast, which means that you get to hear me talk even more about everything else going on in the league. Each Monday, I will focus on kind of three different stories, big storylines, important news, big moments that have happened throughout the league. Uh, and I will be talking to fellow podcasters from the Locked On Network, uh, maybe some other special guests as well. A sneak preview of that show coming up on Monday is that I am talking to the hosts of Locked On Hurricanes, and we spend some time talking about Justin Williams and how much all of us love him. So fear not, Kings fans who loved Justin Williams. He is just universally beloved and everyone is so excited in Carolina to have him back and to give him the opportunity to fight for one last Stanley Cup. So you can hear my conversation with the guys from Locked on Hurricanes on Monday. That is on the Locked on NHL podcast, which you can follow on Twitter at Locked on NHL. I will, of course, also be tweeting about it on my Twitter at Right Said Sarah. So make sure you go follow along and check in on big national stories with me every Monday. That is about it for me today on Locked on Los Angeles Kings. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll take a look at the rest of the guys from that 2012 cup winning season, see what they're up to. And as always, check in on other big news with the Kings around the league and, you know, whatever else happens. So that's it. You can find the show on Twitter. If you haven't already, go give it a follow Locked on LA Kings. You can send me an email if you'd like, lockedonlakings at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Love to know more about what you are interested in hearing about on this show. If you've got questions, if you've got trade speculation or rumors you want to talk about or whatever, just, just tweet at me or send me an email and we'll get you covered on the show. Of course, if you haven't already, do make sure you're subscribing to the show. You can do that in whatever app you listen to the show in. Just go find that big subscribe button. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you find podcasts, this show will exist. And of course, the most important part is to make sure you tell all your friends about it. This show would not exist without people like you listening to the show, sharing links to the show, and just 
generally getting people on board with it. So tell a friend about the show and help us grow and become even bigger and better every single day. We'll be back tomorrow with more Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.